Evidence and Answers. Why does it seem that the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? What do I do when tragedy strikes and God seems unconcerned or so distant? How do I get over the unbearable pain that haunts me like a nightmare that won't go away? In tough times, these are some of the questions we ask. And these are the very same questions Job was asking as he faced his time of painful suffering. The book of Job is a powerful book that answers some of these difficult questions and also teaches us valuable life lessons on how to make it through the worst suffering we may face. This is Evidence and Answers. The show that provides you reasons for faith and hope in Christ with your host, Pat Zucrin. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, we're going to listen to part two of an insightful and inspiring message from one of the most profound books in the Bible, the book of Job. Let's join Pat now as he presents his message on Job, lessons from suffering and the silence of God. Obey God, he blesses. Disobey God, he punishes. So the problem, your problem, Job, is sin, some great sin, and there's no fear of God in you. And in fact, in chapter 22, verse 5, he says, Is not your evil abundant? There's no end to your iniquities, Job. You have exacted pledges of your brothers for nothing and stripped the naked of their clothing. You've taken advantage of the poor and the weak, Job. You give no water to the weary to drink. You have withheld bread from the hungry. The man with power possessed the land, and the favored man lived in it. You sent away widows empty, and the arms of the fatherless were crushed. Therefore, snares are all around you, and sudden terror overwhelms you, or darkness, so that you cannot see, and a flood of water covers you. Eliphaz says, man, your wickedness is great. Here's probably what you're doing, Job. You are taking advantage of the poor and the weak. You strip the naked, even of the little clothing that they have. You take advantage of the widows and the orphans. Therefore, that's why this evil has befallen you. Now, we know from chapter 1, none of that's true. But he's leveling all these charges because these three have got God in a simple little box here. They're saying, Job, we know the formula, man. You obey God, he blesses. No suffering, no pain. He'll bless you. You disobey God, he'll punish you. And man, you're really getting it, Job, so your sin must be really great, whatever it is, so fess up, man. Right? And the failure of his friends is that they fail to understand God's ways and the things that go on in life. You see, their superficial and shallow understanding of God causes them to come to false conclusions. They have God in a simple formula. Job, he does it this way, he does it all the time, in a very predictable way. And their shallow, superficial understanding of God led them to some very superficial understanding and some false conclusions, causing Job tremendous pain. And they become the third temptation of Job to curse God. You know, if I were sitting here going through this, and you've been in that position before, right? I admire the resilience and fortitude of Job, not to curse these three and end up cursing God. But that's one of the dangerous things about us Christians, right? We can have a very superficial understanding of God and His Word and come to a very shallow, have a very shallow kind of theology where we put God in a formula and we're looking at life through false lenses and the words that come out of our mouth become false counsel like these three. You know, the dangerous thing about us is we've got a few verses we know and then we've got a few cliches and we think it works every time, right? Man, if... Uh, guys raising kids and one of them goes off and ends up in jail or whatever, 
Obviously, he's a bad parent, right? Obviously, these are not godly parents. They're not praying for their kids, not teaching them the word of God. Got to be that. Because if you teach them the word of God and you pray for your kids, they all come out angels, right? It's that simple, right? No, a simple formula. Oh, God's not answering your prayer? You know why? Maybe there's sin or you don't have faith. Because it's all a simple formula, right? You pray that magic formula, right? In the name of Jesus, right? And God answers your prayer. Maybe he doesn't answer your prayer. Well, maybe you got the formula wrong. Okay, let's get the formula right. Ah, he answers prayer. You know, marriages break down. Well, it must be an ungodly man. Man's not living for God. Obviously, that's the answer. That's why his marriage fell apart. It's not always that simple. I know godly men whose wives have walked out on them. I know godly women whose husbands have walked out on them. You know, and it breaks my heart when people come up to them and say, well, obviously, you weren't living for God. You know, you weren't praying for your spouse. That's why I fell apart. So simple, right? And we cause more pain with that kind of simple, shallow kind of theology and understanding. And that's what Job's friends did here. Remember this guy here? John Walsh founded a crime show, America's Most Wanted, put thousands of most wanted criminals behind bars. How did the show start? Well, his son was kidnapped, and for three weeks, his son could not be found, and they finally found him decomposing on the side of the road, raped and strangled to death. And when he talked to his priest, and he said, you know, how could something like this happen? And the priest looked at him and gave him a very shallow answer and said, well, it must have been God's will. And John Wall said, if that's the kind of God that exists, I want no part of him. And he walked away from God and hasn't been back since. How much better and more deeper, thoughtful, compassionate kind of answer would have probably ministered to John and his family in their time of great need instead of this shallow, cliche kind of answer that comes from a superficial, shallow theology and shallow understanding of God. You know, there was a lady, her son died, and we were at the wake, and she was sobbing over the death of her son, asking those critical questions, and one of her Christian friends came up to her with a big smile on her face and said, oh, Jeannie, take comfort. You know, your son is very blessed. She goes, why? Why is he blessed? Why are we blessed? And she goes, because when God sees a flower he wants, he picks it and takes it for himself. And she smiled at Mary, thinking... Man, that cliche is going to work. Bring comfort and joy to her soul. And it shocked that woman when Mary looked at her coldly and said, What a cruel and selfish God that is. Sees the flower and takes one for himself. With no regard to us. What kind of God is that? I could never serve that kind of God. And that woman was just so shocked. The cliche is supposed to work, man. Answer is so easy. Right? That simple cliche, throw that one verse out and take all the pain away. Answer all the questions. No, it doesn't. A superficial, shallow kind of theology and understanding of God really doesn't honor the Lord. And often, superficial answers coming from a shallow kind of faith often do more harm than good. And God's ways do not fit into a simple formula. Often there are no easy answers to life's difficulties. And you want to beware of this kind of cliche Christianity. There's no cliche, there's no one silver bullet that take away the pain. In difficult times, and there's no simple explanation often for the ways of God and why things happen in our life. Therefore, it's the call of every believer to grow deep in their faith, to grow deep in their understanding of the character of God and the ways of God and God's Word. 
that we may move from a superficial kind of knowledge to a deep, rich kind of theology that embraces the kind of wisdom God calls for and in times like these can demonstrate the love, the compassion, the understanding, and the wisdom of God in these times. Like Job's wife who gave foolish advice, curse God and die, the very thing Satan wanted Job to do, the advice of these friends nearly caused Job to curse God as well. We're all called to move from a superficial, shallow kind of Christianity to a deep, rich, in-depth understanding of God and His Word. So study the Word of God diligently. Study and read great material. Okay? Study the books that we don't like to study. Job, Hosea, a man who God said, I want you to marry an adulteress because this illustrates the relationship between Israel and me. Habakkuk, who's asking the question, God, why do you allow a more wicked nation to judge us, the nation of Israel? I know we've blown it, but you've picked an even more wicked nation to judge us. Why? Okay? Read those difficult Psalms. Okay? Study good material. Always have a humble heart, knowing that we have the truth, but not all the answers to life. Therefore, we always need to be ready to learn and to listen to one another very carefully, and to listen to the words and the teachings of God. Learn from those painful experiences. Don't run from them. And take time in your busy schedule to meditate on God's Word and upon your life. Now, the conversation between the three stooges and Job comes to an end, and a fourth guy comes into the conversation, and his name is Elihu. He's younger than all of them, so he's listening to all of them. And finally now, he speaks up. And Elihu offers some relief for us as we're reading through this painful dialogue because Elihu finally offers words of truth and some words of wisdom from the Lord. Now, Elihu offers insight into Job's assertion that God is silent or that God has abandoned him and Job's other challenge that God is unjust. Now, the first assertion that Elihu answers is God is silent or God has abandoned him. Elihu states what well, we first in chapter 33, verse 12, Behold, in this Job you are not right, and I'll answer you, for God is greater than man. First thing Elihu says is, Job, you've got to understand, God's ways are far above our ways. His understanding is far above us. We may not understand all that is going on because he is infinite in greatness and infinite in wisdom, and whatever is going on, we may not be able to comprehend or understand. And then he explains this. Job, God has not abandoned you. God is not silent. He's always working in the lives of his people. And he often answers in many ways, but often we don't perceive it. There in verse 14, For God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. God may be answering your prayer. God is moving in your life, but in ways we may not be seeing. And Elihu gives a few examples of how God works in our life, often in ways we may not perceive. He says here, he offers three examples. For God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men while they slumber on their beds. Elihu says as God speaks through dreams. And he offers another way. He says, verse 19, man is also rebuked with pain on his bed and with continued strife in his bones. God also speaks through pain. 
Pain and suffering is the way that God speaks to us. Just because uh, we're suffering, going through tough times, doesn't mean God has abandoned us. Might be the very way that God is working to catch our attention, to return us to a state of humility, to where we're focused upon Him once again. And then later in verse 23, he says, Perhaps if there be for him an angel, a mediator, one of the thousand, to declare to man what is right for him. Perhaps through an angel, Elihu says. So he says, God speaks in many ways, Job. Perhaps we don't perceive how he's speaking to us. In our day, God speaks through his word, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, I was complaining one time that I had not heard from God in a while, and and I said, I know that's sin, because, man, you know, to think like that. And my friend said, that's God speaking to you right there. I said, what do you mean? He goes, John 16, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And if you're convicted of sin, God hasn't abandoned you. He's still communicating with you. And I said, oh, you're right. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. Day and night they pour forth his speech. Speaks through creation, through circumstances, through others. You see, the problem is not the transmitter. Problem is the receiver. It's our antenna that's bad. Now, the second assertion that Elihu answers is that God is unjust. And Elihu reminds Job that God is just. He's impartial. He can't be bribed. He's not influenced by people's wealth or their stature. He's the creator of all, and he treats all equally. In chapter 34, verses 16 through 20, if you have understanding, hear this. Listen to what I say. Shall one who hates justice govern? Will you condemn him? who is righteous and mighty, who says to a king, worthless one, and to nobles, wicked man, who shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich more than the poor, for they are all the works of his hands. And you can't bribe God. He's not impressed with your stature. Treats all men as part of his creation. And uh, the wicked will not prosper endlessly. One day in his time, he will bring judgment Upon them. But if he chooses not to at this time, he has his reasons and his ways. Verse 29 When he is quiet, who can condemn him? When he hides his face, who can behold him? Whether it be a nation or a man. If God chooses to remain, quote, silent, if he chooses to allow the wicked to prosper for a season, he's got his reasons why. Perhaps he chooses to allow the wicked to prosper for a season. Because he's somehow using even the wicked to bring about his purpose in this life. And Elihu says this, Job, God remains active. His providential care continues to work in all situations, even when it does not appear he is working or when we feel abandoned by God. I remember a few years ago, I had been working in a church and the situation was really bad. And we had prayed for many years that God would do something. God would break the stalemate and change the situation of the a church that I was in. And for years we prayed and prayed and it didn't seem like anything was happening. Just things were getting worse and worse and worse to the point where I finally had to resign and leave. And then I joined Probe Ministries. Eventually raised my support and God uh, allowed me to have the kind of ministry I have. Brought people along to support and send me around the world to teach and, and have a great radio ministry and writing books and things. But it still hurt, all that had happened, and there's still questions in my mind as to where was God when we needed him, you know? And I remember a few years out of that situation, I was talking to a friend, and we were talking about the situation, I said, man, we all prayed, we were praying and praying, and God didn't seem to be doing anything, you know? And God didn't seem to answer prayer there, and, and I wonder what he was up to. 
And my friend looked at me and in his great wisdom, he said, God did answer prayer. I said, what do you mean? I left. And he goes, yeah, exactly. He said, God got you out of that situation. And he put you in a ministry where he wanted you to where you're having worldwide kind of ministry and impact now. He said, you would have never had that in that struggling church fighting all those battles. You still, you know, you still may be there frustrated and fighting, but God got you out of that situation, put you in another ministry where you're going to thrive. You know, and I said, well, you know, all the friendships that were lost and uh, all those people that put nasty stuff on the Internet, I'm still on the Internet, and all this nasty stuff that besmirched my character and accused me falsely of all kinds of wickedness and evil. And, uh, you know, we wanted God to shut them down, and he, and he didn't. And, and he, goes, he just looked at me and said, Pat, were you able to raise your support? Yeah. Uh, despite all that people were saying and all the stuff was put on you, people came around and supported you, believed in you, prayed about it and got behind you and your mission and God's calling your life? I said, yeah. He goes, God answered your prayer. God's moving. God's active. And I thought about it for a moment. I said, man, you know what? You're right. And he said, you see, God didn't answer it in the way you expected or you wanted or you had hoped for, but he was working. He was active. And he answered your prayer. And God remains active. His care is always upon our life. Answering in ways often we do not perceive and, and sometimes we just outright miss. And the lesson we learn is this. God's character can be understood, but God's ways are not always comprehended. See, God is far above us. His ways are beyond our understanding. So the old saying is true. When you can't see his hand, you've got to trust in his heart. Well, finally, God answers Job in chapter 38. We can't go through all the profound answers of Job, but... Job wants to know one thing. Why, God? Why did you let this happen? And you know what's interesting? God doesn't answer that question. You think Job's pain would have been relieved if God told him why? I don't think so. God knew there was a more important message Job needed. Job needed a deeper understanding and knowledge of his God. Job didn't need to know why. He needed to know who. And in chapters 38 through 40, God answers Job with a display of his majesty, his infinite power, his infinite wisdom. And he does so through a series of questions he asked Job. He asked Job over 70 questions. And through his creation, God displays his infinite power and majesty to Job. In chapter 38, we're just going to go through this first chapter. God comes to Job and he says, Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched a line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? God asked Job, Job, where were you when I created the universe and put all the stars in their place? Job, can you show me the engineering schematics of how I put each star in their place so that they're at the right distance from one another so the forces in the universe like gravity, electromagnetism, all work in perfect synchronization? You know, the number of the stars in the universe, according to a study from the Australian National University, is seven followed by 22 zeros or 70 sextillion. And God asked Job, can you accomplish this? Can you give me the mathematical equations 
and the engineering formulas that put the universe in order? Of course, Job can. And then verse 16 through 18. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked into the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. And so he asked Job, Job, have you searched the depths of the sea? You know, even today with our great technology, there are vast parts of the ocean that we don't know what's there. I remain hidden to us. Some trenches, like the Mariana Trench, go seven miles deep. And God asked Job, can you search and describe the depths of these oceans? Can you fill the oceans with water and set their boundaries as I have? Can you do that, Job? And then God asked Job in verse 34, can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Job, can you control the weather? Do you know how to balance the temperatures of the earth so that we can sustain life? Can you design a sprinkler system and control the skies as I have? You know, to this day, we have no control over the weather. And through a series of his infinite display of his great wisdom and power through creation, Job comes to realize the infinite wisdom and the greatness of our God and his finiteness. And having gained insight into God's ways, his character, his creative power, his genius, his control over all things, his care and love, Job finally confesses in chapter 42 his unworthiness and his repentance. In chapter 42, he says, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. I heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself. I repent in dust and ashes. And although he does not receive the answer to why he suffered, Job has come to understand and gain new insight into the greatness of God. He's learned in life, you know what? We can't demand of God an answer and tell us why. But instead, we need to learn to trust in him and allow him to be God. You know, I remember on one occasion flying home from Hawaii from the mainland and the pilot came over the loudspeaker and said, we're landing in Honolulu, but in order to get to Honolulu, we've got to go through a storm. So it's going to be a little bumpy. Stay buckled and in your seats. You see, in order to get to our destination, we had to go through a storm. And upon hearing that, I made sure my seatbelt was fashioned and I went back to sleep. You see, although I had never met the pilot, I trusted in his knowledge of the plane and his skill to get us to our destination safely. I didn't need to know about wind speeds, about air pressure, the mechanics of the plane or weather patterns. I didn't need to know why. I didn't need to know all that. Although I didn't know a lot about my circumstances going on, I trusted in the one who was in control and that he would eventually get me home. And that same is true in our journey through life. Sometimes in order to take us to our destination, the one in control has to take us through a storm. And we may not always know why, but we'd better know who. We'd better know the one in charge. We need to have a deep understanding of the character of our God, that He is love. He's always at work in our lives. He's promised never to abandon us, and He will get us home. And sometimes knowing why will not heal the pain, but it's in knowing the character of God that we finally can let go and trust Him and say, you know what? It's okay, even 
if I don't understand why. And in life, we may not always know why, and that's okay. We can live in peace when we learn to let that go and trust his heart, that he's in control, he knows all, he's righteous and just, will never do evil against us, and he's working constantly in our lives, sometimes in ways we don't perceive or understand, to bring about his purpose in our life, which is always for his glory and always for his good. And when Job realizes that, instead of continuing to demand why, 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 Job is finally able to say, it's okay, because now I know who. There are many valuable lessons we learn from the life of Job. I hope my brief survey encourages you to study and read this book. When life unravels, sometimes we need to stop demanding to know why and focus on who. And it is then we can leave the pain behind and discover that rest and peace in His caring hands. Let's pray together. I hope you were encouraged by Pat's message and gained some valuable insight from the remarkable life of Job. Remember, if you miss any part of this message, log on our website, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you can listen to this message in its entirety, along with Pat's featured articles. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by the message today, please let Pat know and consider partnering with him in prayer or with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Once again, we hope you'll be with us next week as Pat and his friends present reasons for faith and hope in Christ, right here on Evidence and Answers.